and we are back with episode three helping someone with mental illness i think sometimes it can be um a bit of a tricky area because we don't want to hurt someone or mm. say something mm. that could make the person feel more helpless mm. or um maybe more hyper aware of what they're moving through mm. so i think this is quite an important and um i think it's gonna be a really good really good episode so let's dive straight in okay. helping someone with mental illness so this is one of the most common questions that i get oh, asked really? on a social media platform yeah is how do i help someone who's got mental health symptoms or um, a mental illness and it's kind of split into two sides of it interestingly enough so the one part of it is um, someone you know who is open about their mental health symptoms. So someone who's, say, let's use depression as an example. So someone who's been diagnosed with a depressive disorder or depressive episode and they're actively struggling with symptoms but they're quite verbal and open about it. So that's the one side of it. And the other side of it is someone who you love who you can see is struggling in silence. And so they... Or denial. Or denial. Well, yeah, that's a really good point in that they don't want to face the fact that, mm. that this is going on. And so you kind of tackle them um, differently. Okay. okay. Yeah. So the first thing I say to anyone who asks me this question is before you go out and help another, what you need to check in is what your capacity is. That's so true. Yeah. So... We obviously we want to support the people that we love, but we need to know where our own boundaries are at, um, how we are feeling from an emotional perspective, what how much we feel we can take on, what we can feel we can take on in that moment, and that doesn't mean that you can't love and support someone with a mental illness. Just know what your boundaries are and what your capacities are. So do a self check in first mm -hmm. before you ever offer any kind of assistance. Okay, um, then. I always say that um, what we should be doing in our relationships in general to be able to help with this question is that we should be creating environments where people are talking about mental health all the time, whether or not people have symptoms or not. So, so an example would be an accessible one, mm. I find, is following platforms mm. that speak about it yes. on social media. Yes. Um, yeah. And I guess it can vary to whoever you're connecting mm. with. Personally, I did that probably two years ago. Mm -hmm. And that was actually the starting block for me to be like, okay, I can actually go to therapy mm -hmm. and not have such a... Um, I was actually just quite scared of the unknown. Yeah. And that took that kind of like veil off. It mm -hmm. was like, it's not that scary. Yeah. It's very approachable. You can do this. Mm. I think yeah. that's wonderful. And I think that that is, yeah, they're, they're more, I was reading a New York Times article on this, I think, and there are more and more mental health um, Instagram profiles. It's it's like, I don't know if it's a trend, but there are a lot of them out there, and, like, utilize them. It's and not just, the worst trend. No, 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 totally <laughs> not. It's a I mean, it's a trend. I'm absolutely behind. And it's so interesting when people come and see me, they, they often, because I'm quite active on Instagram, and they often say to me, um, it's, it's so nice because it's not like booking an appointment with someone who's completely unknown. It's like I've done an interview process with you already. That's actually quite true. Yeah, yeah. Do you find that it's been beneficial for you? Yeah, absolutely. I find that it's Because then you're more approachable, I guess. Yeah. Not so like some 
this unknown. Yeah, yeah I think that that's uh, and like they get to see like my humanity and realize that whilst yeah. I'm a psychiatrist, I'm also just a human being. Mm. And then yeah, it's it's been re- it's been really wonderful. So definitely, I think one of the ways that we start talking about mental health and decrease the stigma around it within our relationships and our own lives is to follow people on men- on men- on platforms of mental health accounts. Um, but within our relationships, so within our families. I know that this is tricky because I know that there's a lot of stigma out there, but within our families, our friendships, our relationships, we should be talking about mental health. We should be checking in on each other, even if someone has a mental health disorder or not. So how are you feeling at the moment? How are you coping with lockdown? Are you feeling anxious about what's going on with your work? Like To just continually have those kinds of transparent conversations makes it easier that when things are happening and people are struggling for that conversation to kind Mm -hmm. of continue. It allows transparency. So mental health should be a narrative that is in all of our homes and all of our relationships. Agreed, 100%. Yeah, but I also completely understand that the reality is that it's not. And so what do we do about that? Yeah. Yeah, what do we do? Do we have an answer to that? We do kind of have an answer to that. So, okay, the first first aspect of it that I'm going to go into is the concept of someone who's struggling but they are either struggling in silence or they are in denial about it, okay? So these are hard conversations to have with people that we love, okay? And the reason is is that because if people are in denial about their mental health symptoms, they can often respond in a way that is quite defensive or feel like they're being attacked or concerned about the stigma associated with it or um, feel like they're being discriminated against. So there's a lot of stuff to be able to navigate, What they recommend, which I think is really beautiful, is um, when you speak to someone that you're worried about, use the word I instead of you, okay? So if you, say I'm having a conversation with, I mean, it's easier for me because I'm a psychiatrist, so I I mean, I talk about mental health all the time, but um, for me, if I speak to a friend who I feel like is struggling and not talking about it, what I would say is, um, I am worried about you, not you seem like you're depressed, okay? So it's very much... I'm concerned about you and um, I want to know if you are doing okay and then to continue with an open-ended question. So I'm worried about you. Uh, would you like to talk about how you are feeling? And to open up a, com- uh, open up a conversation that is, is not di- completely direct in the beginning and allows people to feel like this is a safe space and a, mm-hmm. an open space and that they're not being judged for, for what is going on. Okay. That being said, you also cannot force people to talk to you if they do not want to. And we need to respect if some people have that boundary. Yeah. To, to some degree. And when does that degree become one that needs to be kind of escalated? I think if we're really, really concerned about the people that we love. So if we can see that people's functioning is really impaired, so... Um, that they're unable to get to work or their self-care is being impacted or um, their relationships are being impacted. And then, obviously, if we ever worry about someone harming themselves, those are, then we, we become a little bit more forceful with those kinds of conversations. I see. But 
to continuously go back as much as you can with the open-ended questions so that someone knows that you are a safe space and you can, can continue to talk about this. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's also quite nice is to be able to share stories. So if someone doesn't want to talk to you about the fact that you're depressed, to share a story with them about your own personal experience with anxiety or depression or a story of someone that you know of anxiety or depression. So for me, if I'm talking to a friend, I have an anxiety disorder. And if I'm worried about them, I will start talking to them about the fact that, oh, when I was struggling, I really my anxiety was really high. I was struggling to function. Um, it was really impacting my academic work. At some point, I was having panic attacks. And you know, what I found really, really helpful for me is that I started seeing a therapist and it was really, really beneficial. Yeah, that's and, lovely. Yeah. It's so smooth and yeah, gentle. Yeah. And- and then Good you just, intention. Mm, and then you plant a seed, essentially, yeah. of, okay, so what she's talking about a little bit is what I'm, I have experienced, and so maybe this will work for me. Mm-hmm. And then you're giving guidance without being too, too direct or too forceful. Yeah. yeah. So it's quite nice and a gentle kind of nudging in a certain direction. As a starting point. Yes, as a starting point. Yeah. yeah. The other side of it is the people who have mental health struggles and are openly talking about it. So say your partner has a depressive uh, disorder or depressive episode or is suffering from really bad anxiety or social anxiety or whatever mental health illness it is, um, what are the practical things that you can do to help? Okay. The I think f- this is a big one. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So the first thing that you need to know is that you cannot be a rescuer and you cannot be a band-aid for someone. Okay, Mm -hmm. so you need to check yourself. You need to make sure that you are not coming in and rescuing the situation. Yeah, it's like almost understanding your intention Mm. before entering. Yeah, beautiful way of putting it. Yeah, know what your intention is. So whilst we can love and support and care and show empathy and do practical things for people that we love, we cannot rescue them. And at the end of the day, they need to be taking responsibility for their own mental health as well. And so... Which is hard to accept, mm, especially when you love someone. Oh, it's so, so, so hard. I mean, mm. it's we want to be able to, to care for people that are struggling, but there, there needs to be that line of, I can care and love you, but you do also need to take responsibility and step up to the plate. It's like you also need to care and love you. Yeah, absolutely. It's teaching yeah. them to love themselves. I love that. That's really amazing. Mm. And so... Check your intentions. Then have an open and transparent conversation with the person that you love. So, The person who is struggling or the person who wants to help? Both. So have a conversation (laughs) together. Yeah. But normally it would probably be initiated by the person who cares? Yes, usually. Yeah. Okay. So the thing is, is, when people have depression or anxiety, there's this kind of retraction that lands up happening. So... They, they remove themselves from a lot of social interaction. Mm-hmm. They become a lot quieter. They um, struggle with engaging with people that they love and connecting with them. Um, they struggle with self-care. They struggle with motivation. So it's, very, it's usually unlikely that that person is going to be the one that initiates the conversation because part of their disorder is that they struggle to, to get those kinds of conversations going. I see. So okay. it will be the person that, that loves them that will usually start that conversation. And I always just say, have an open conversation and ask the person who is struggling what it is that they need, what mm. it is that they need from you right now. Because, because maybe it's very little mm. to begin with. Yeah. And you just want to be like... like vomit all the help exactly and that's not what they need right now they might just need you to 
to sit with them whilst they binge watch series or whatever it looks like. It doesn't always have to be very, very proactive stuff. So have a really open, transparent conversation with them about what it is that they need. I love that. Yeah. That's so nice. And then um, continually check in with that. So whether it be on a daily basis or weekly mm. basis, have your needs changed? Is there anything else that I can do for you? Just keep talking about that. It's really important. And then... Um, I often say it's really, really lovely to do practical things for people who are struggling with depression because of how much they struggle to motivate and do self-care and actually do things for themselves. So what would be a practical thing? So practical things are doing their laundry, uh, cooking their meals, dropping food off at their Mm -hmm. homes, um, helping them with a little bit of admin if they have. Um, I see a lot of moms with postpartum depression, so their partners can come in and care for the baby practically for a period of time. Um, just like really like day-to-day stuff for people who suffer from depression is really, really, really tough to get to it. It is. It yeah. seems impossible. Yeah. The fact that I remember when I was quite deep in the beginning of my Hashimoto's, mm-hmm. when I didn't actually know what it was, yeah. I was experiencing depressive symptoms mm-hmm. and high anxiety. Yes. I don't know what I would have done without Luke. Mm-hmm. I know I would have been fine, but I just look at him and he just innately knew what to do. Mm-hmm. He was cooking for me every night. Amazing. He was always he still does it. Amazing. Like he always cooks dinner, he always does laundry. Yeah. His love language is acts of service, okay. so it's very easy yeah, for him. That's good. Um but having that made me feel just so grateful. Mm. The, like now I help with yeah. him and he's almost like what are you doing I'm like well I got energy to do it now so I'll do it now um, that's wonderful and just like when you are feeling really low you don't necessarily want to face the world sometimes mm. so having someone do the groceries for you mm. is life changing some days mm. um, and it might seem like trivial to mm. the person who just does them they're like oh, okay I'll just do the groceries yeah. but it's huge for someone who maybe can't so, absolutely yeah I love those and if you think about what else because I mean we can uh, I always love to to talk on personal experiences because mm. they're so practical when you were feeling like that what else helped you that from people around you um still being invited to things even though I wasn't going to go okay oh I be- love that because it made me feel not left out yeah. but also I, I yeah I just I guess I still felt like I was in other people's worlds mm-hmm. even though I couldn't physically be there yeah that's wonderful um the serious thing definitely yeah. like just yeah. come to my house and sit with me mm-hmm. um trying to think now actually towards the end of it what was really nice was not planning to do stuff but a friend spending time and going let's quickly go grab something to eat mm-hmm. so I didn't actually have time to overthink it because the overthinking mm. it is the problem, mm. actually, mm. for me. Mm. Was, let's just say there's an event. Yeah. But someone invites me a week before. Yeah. I have a whole week to think about that. Yeah, now. I hear you. And yeah. then I think, who's going? Yes. Should I, am I going to feel mm. strong enough to go? Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up not going to a lot of events of launches of mm. stuff because there were a lot of people who triggered me. Yeah. So I physically couldn't go. Mm. Um, now to the point that I have a new boundary mm-hmm. and that's when I get invited I feel like I have the right to ask who's going Yes. and if the list is not one that I can personally deal with mm-hmm. I don't go it's no reflection of the event yeah. it's just that I know if I was there mm-hmm. one I wouldn't enjoy it 
And two, you probably wouldn't enjoy me. Yeah. So let me rather ask. I think asking is also really big. Yeah, Um, definitely. But it does take time to get to the asking point. Absolutely. When you're feeling really low, it's really Mm -hmm. hard to ask. Yeah. You kind of just accept. Yeah, I hear you. And maybe accepting isn't what you need. Mm. But you don't know how to like move through that. Yeah, definitely. Um, So... But it, I think it's yeah. also such a beautiful example of how when you were feeling like that, it taught you something. Yeah. It taught you what your boundaries were. Taught mm. you that you have the right to be able to ask for things like that. Exactly. And so there's, it's. I always talk about that with regards to mental health. There's, there's so much lessons to be learned within. Mm. I mean, when you're in the moment, it's awful, but we learn so much about ourselves and how we want to live our lives in those dark times. Yeah. yeah. And, and just like what life. The, what your life you want to like live and look yeah. like what does that look like to mm. you it's it's completely your business yeah. your responsibility yeah. and it's your life yeah. so like you have the right to ask for things or not ask or whatever you want to do so um there was another thing oh being to a point where i needed a lot of help also allowed me to fully embrace not being someone who only does the things that women are meant to do Mm -hmm. and Luke didn't have to do the things that men are just meant to do Mm -hmm. we really like intertwined responsibilities so he does the cooking the washing um he walks the dogs and stuff and sometimes maybe I'm doing better in the month Mm -hmm. and then I'm the one providing finances so our roles are not um, the stereotypical roles yeah. in a relationship and that I love yeah. and I really really like I always acknowledge that when he does things that women are yeah. meant to do I'm yeah. always like oh. so wonderful he literally cleaned the whole house the other day and I was like this is the biggest turn on in 2020 <laughs> like this man That's has amazing. literally washed sweat Dusted. He was dusting. I was like, this is amazing. I mean, <laughs> that's how you help someone who's got mental health issues. You do all of that. Not to say that you had them at the time, but no, that's amazing. I was yeah. just like, this is great. That's amazing. Well chosen as a partner <laughs> on your behalf. No, really, that's so great. Um, but yeah, like yeah. The, that for me, I would say. And I think yeah. also the beauty of it is that you allowed yourself to be helped yes. as well. Like yeah. we so often just allow ourselves the help because we feel like a lot of patients say this to me I feel like a burden I feel like yeah I wouldn't say I didn't not mm. feel those I definitely got to a point where I was like the the biggest thing actually and it's something that Luke addressed with me only now when he can see that I'm strong enough mm-hmm. and he said you know over the, the past few years where you know you, you haven't really felt strong enough and you've been dealing with like um, just the disordered patterns within my head yeah. because there have been multiple ones um what the repercussion of that is I couldn't be around a few people that are in our friend circle Mm -hmm. and to some degree he has lost a lot of connection Mm -hmm. with his relationships so he did bring that forward to me and I was like you know what I can acknowledge that Mm -hmm. and thank you for Mm -hmm. that sacrifice basically and now I'm in a space where I can start facing those Mm -hmm. situations with my toolkit Mm -hmm. and now it's almost like he gave, now I give. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. And it just shows you in the moments where you were struggling, he was giving. And now yeah. the beautiful thing is that you feel like you have more reserve and you're able to give back. Which is like the beginning thing is yes. giving when you are able yes. to checking in with yourself absolutely. to know when you can actually give. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. And what you just said now is also so important. And it's one of the practical things that they say really helps is when you said... Um, 
being able to just okay let's go out and have something to let's go get some food in the moment so having very very small achievable mm. goals with with someone that you love so not big events like launches or anything like that but let's go for a 10 minute walk in yeah. around the block and that makes the person who's struggling feel okay i accomplished something mm-hmm. 100%. And, and the other person encourages them to do that so that's a really really beautiful thing and as also well. not being um pushy if the person says no at the moment mm-hmm. absolutely so if they can't feel you go okay cool would you yeah. like to rather do mm-hmm. maybe we just make lunch here yeah and then you still have an action mm-hmm. where they're not on the couch maybe or not in bed, mm-hmm. but it's something in their safe space Absolutely. that's nourishing for mm-hmm. them. You're connecting with them. Mm-hmm. That's also like yeah. the next plan B, yeah. basically. That's wonderful. Yeah. And I think being a safe space for that person in the way that um, you can allow them to express their emotions mm-hmm. without judgment, without any kind of stigma attached to whatever it is that they're saying, um, just allowing them to to express that they're really really struggling and you can be that safe sounding board for them i think yeah. that kind of safe space is also super important yeah and then just to also say and this is like perhaps super practical and um we maybe should have started with it from the very beginning but if someone is telling you that you are struggling that they are struggling with mental health symptoms please do not say things like but your life is so wonderful. You will snap out of it. You can think yourself happy. <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh my gosh, please. Like that is a misunderstanding about mental health. It's a misunderstanding about mental illness. It's like telling someone whose heart is beating irregularly that they can think their heart beat regular. Okay. It is, they can't, you cannot do that. Do not utilize those phrases. Listen without judgment. Be a safe space for someone that you love. Okay. And yeah. then I often always say, if you if you love someone and they have been diagnosed with a mental health disorder, educate yourself about it. Yes. So, That's oh, actually something I told him mm, to do. Mm, yeah. So or asked him, not told him. Mm, exactly. And go and read up on it and listen to podcasts on it and read books on it mm. and understand what the symptoms are and what the people who are struggling with that disorder, what they experience on their day-to-day lives, learn about how long it takes for them to get better, learn about the treatment options, mm. learn about it. And symptoms. Yeah. And when things are, like even for Luke and I, I have anxiety, he has ADHD. Mm. I was fascinated when I started digging into what ADHD is and yeah. the symptoms and what it's so wild because we've been together for seven years Mm -hmm. and it took lockdown for me to actually start digging into it because I saw it in its full force. Sure, because you were right there all the time. I was like, this is insane. (laughs) He cannot start something without finishing it. Okay. I don't know. Like, apparently that is something. Yes. It becomes single focus. Mm -hmm. Oh, so he's one of those hyper-focused ADHD. Okay. He built a puzzle for eight hours. Oh, my God. He did not stop until it was finished. Oh, my God. Every time I interrupted him, I could see the frustration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was always like, oh, get away, I'm busy. I've got to finish this. That I had, to, I literally had to do everything until he finished this bloody That's puzzle. so interesting. And then I was like, I, li- I just saw your ADHD yeah. in full force. And he was like, it's wild, eh? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, That's the wildest thing I've ever seen. But how wonderful to be able to understand your partner more like that. But that's the thing. Now I understand because I used to get so frustrated with him when I would ask for his help. And I could see he wasn't technically busy. But in his mind, he was busy. He was very focused. So interrupting his Mm. thought pattern Mm -hmm. just 
through his whole life. Yeah. Yeah. And then everything's a mess. Mm-hmm. And I understand that from my anxiety point of view with other aspects. Mm. So now what I do is I see him busy with something, mm-hmm. but I need his help. Yes. So I'm like, let me just wait. And I go, my love, what are you doing? No, I'm doing laundry. Just tell me when you're done. Okay. And that's it. Good. That's amazing. Then when he's done, I go, can you help me with this? Okay. And then that becomes his single focus. And then he does better, faster, and exactly how I want it. That's amazing. <laughs> but that's so fantastic. It's like learning about your partner, learning yeah. about their symptoms. And then it gives you an objective view on it. Mm. It gives them more space to be able to be themselves, for there to be less conflict because you and understand it better. And then what you better. want, you get at yes. the end of it. Absolutely. That's amazing. You can do the laundry for 10 minutes. Yeah. And then... That's and, fantastic. Yeah. That's really amazing. And now it even becomes a bit of a joke because if I do interrupt him without knowing he is single yes, focused yeah. and he does something cuck, yes. I'm like, what were you busy with? <laughs> because clearly I, you were I busy with something. You. This is terrible work. Oh, <laughs> and he just laughs at me. He's like, whatever. Oh, shame. But that's great. That's wonderful. That's And did he go up and read on phone your anxiety when you were No. Okay. So Luke, because he, if it's not something that interests him. Okay. He can't focus on it. Okay. So I rather um, explain to him in the moment mm-hmm. now. Okay. So when something happens, I'm like, okay, do you see what happened there? Okay, why that happened was because of X, Y, and Z. Yes. And moving forward, for that to not happen, I kind of need this. Okay. And he goes, okay. Beautiful. And that's what we said right in the beginning. Just yeah. communicate with the person that you love. And it's going to be different for yeah. everyone. Yeah. So how Luke takes in information is very mm. different to other people. Mm. Mm. But again, it comes down to the point of understanding yes. your partner, yes. their mental health, mm-hmm. which is not an illness no. or anything. No. It's just the mental health yes. of that person. Um, it, it just gives you more access to have a really like fulfilling relationship, mm. whether it's with a loved one mm-hmm. or a family member mm-hmm. or a friend. Like mm-hmm. You just get so much more out of the relationship mm-hmm. when you take the time to like understand it. absolutely i think it's so so important yeah. and you know if it was if it was physical health so say your partner had some sort of physical illness you like we would just sometimes treat it quite differently we would allow more space help yeah. a little bit more study things a little bit more learn about them whatever it is that we would do and i, I like i'm so passionate about just busting the fact that mental health is it's as significant as physical health symptoms and so we should be like approaching it and learning about it and treating it in the same kind of way yeah yeah it's really important and the other part about uh if we just go to how we supporting others so i think that um what is super important to know is that mental health symptoms take a long time to resolve okay so my i mean I wish when people come and see me that I could give them a pill or chat through something and the next day everything is better. Um, But mental illness and mental health symptoms, they take a while to resolve. So one of the most important things as someone who is supporting someone with mental health symptoms is to be patient. Yeah. And that is big. Okay. That's good. Good. (laughs) So I think I was just like, yeah, yeah, patience. Yeah. It's huge. Mm. And it's also within yourself. Yeah. Having definitely. a lot of patience with yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I know there were moments where I was very frustrated at the way mm-hmm. I was acting or not mm-hmm. acting. Mm-hmm. And I had to be like, okay, but hands, 
you're not doing well right now. Yeah. So there's only so much you can actually mm. expect of yourself. Definitely. So maybe just be a little bit kinder and yeah. try again tomorrow. Definitely. And that's like the mm. next thing on my list. Empathy and <laughs> compassion and kindness. <laughs> feel like I've read this. Yeah. <laughs> no, really, like, it's so important. Mm. Like, uh, empathy and compassion and kindness for the person that you love. Because, I mean, I've been in those places and they are hard 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 places to be in from a mental health perspective to be feeling that way in your mind and um, even if you've never experienced it before yourself just know that it's it's a tough place to be and what Mm. the person that you love needs is love and support and empathy and compassion and kindness and those are the most important things that you can show them and then the last thing that I want to say about how you support someone is that you get professionals on board if you need it yeah. yeah, so you would say that you would get professionals on board for your loved one? So I think in the beginning, and that's a conversation to perhaps have with your loved one. Like okay. I said, if you if they're feeling particularly depressed or very symptomatic, it can be quite difficult in the beginning to do things practically, like make appointments. Mm. And so if you to have chatted through it and your partner is okay with them making appointments, um, you making appointments for them, then that's fine. I yeah. think that that's all right. But then what needs to happen as they start to feel better is they need to start taking responsibility for their own appointments. But get a mental health team on board. So that's psychologists, psychiatrists like me. It can be uh, nutritionists, nutritional therapists, if that's what's needed. It can be occupational therapists. Mm. There are teams of people who can really, really help and support and put lots of measures in place. So um, if you feel like you're out of your depth, if you feel like you need extra support, make sure that you're getting that for your partner. And then if you feel like because of what's going on with your loved one, you are struggling, yeah. seek, for your help, uh, seek support for yourself as well. I think that's actually very important. Maybe yeah. one that's quite overlooked because yeah. you feel like they're the person that needs all of it. Mm. They need all the help, all the love, all yeah. the support. And then it just keeps coming back like your tank needs to be full before yes. you can start helping others fill theirs. Absolutely. And it's not even about really helping them fill yeah. theirs, but just showing them that they can be refilled. Yes. Absolutely. Um, but it does take a lot of time, patience, mm. and kindness. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it's the concept of caring for the care, the carer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. And make sure that we're doing that and just checking in with yourself. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I think that that is the end of the list um, of all the ways in which you can help a loved one. Um, but yeah, I, if you have any questions, yeah. you can always pop onto mm-hmm. Jess's profile. Yes. Um, we'll leave it in the show notes. And mm-hmm. then otherwise, we will see you next week yes. for episode four. Yes. Perfect. Bye. Bye.